making sales social, hang on the word social, being a social being, wanting to interact and be a part of and be connected into that group. To me, that's what being social means. It doesn't mean going to cocktail parties and floating around and meeting and greeting. It means, uh, to me, the social aspect means a, a real meaningful connection with other people. And to me, that's what I see as a social circle. And when we make sales that way, the network just develops and grows, the referrals come, and, uh, and it just snowballs from there. Welcome to the Making Sales Social Podcast, featuring the top voices in sales and marketing. Join hosts Bryn Tillman and Bill McCormick as they discuss the best tips and strategies they are teaching their clients so you can leverage them for your own virtual and social selling. Here are your hosts, Bryn Tillman and Bill McCormick. Welcome to Making Sales Social. I'm Bill McCormick. I'm Bryn Tillman. So Bryn, who's our guest today? I'm so excited. We have Clancy Clark with us, who's an author, a speaker, and a coach around selling and selling by serving. So we're excited to talk about this. We found Clancy through our good friends, Larry Levine and Daryl Amy through Selling from the Heart. And what I love about what we're going to talk about today and everything that Clancy talks about is really a part of our core belief as well, which is it's not about making the sale. It's about helping your client solve a problem. And it's uh, really in the, the core our core belief, obviously selling from the heart and with Clancy. So all of that aligned. Clancy, welcome to Making Sales Social. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be here with you two wonderful people. Tell our, our listeners a little bit about you. Yeah. So related to sales, I've been in sales for over 30 years and, and had three pretty distinct career chapters there. One was in Western Montana and all of them have been in the field of agribusiness. All of them were building a sales territory from a book of zero. All of them were, I wasn't one of the good old boys. I wasn't from that area. They weren't familiar with my company. It was in a down market. How many other cards could I have stacked against myself in all three iterations? But, you know, uh, I've always felt that to be a great advantage. I didn't think it that way when I was doing it. But now I realize that really forced me to become better at what I do and earn all my business on merit and not on a network of pre-existing people and all. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but that was just my journey. So I really embraced that. And I've had great success in all of those three career chapters. My second one was in Florida, working as an agronomist, a sales agronomist. And then uh, the one that I still do to this day is working as a consultant to the large dairy farms in New Mexico. And I live in Southern Colorado now. We've been here coming on five years. So yeah, I re just remember when I started in sales, I, I, I determined that I would make it honorable by the way that I approached it. And as I said, I looked in the mirror, I said, I'm gonna go meet people, make friends and help others. And I believe some sales will flow out of that. And lots of sales have flown out of, flowed out of that. And to me, the, the most important thing about what we're talking about here is being fulfilled. I mean, I think it's just one of the most important things in life 
is to feel good about what we do. Mm. And by placing that service to others as the top priority, we can feel proud, we're fulfilled, we know that we have strong character in what we bring to the marketplace. We're not out there just trying to hit numbers and get armies people. So the fulfillment is there. And I think it's only there through the approach. And then number two, more sales, ironically, what I call the beautiful irony in the book, more sales flow out of that than if we're chasing them as an end unto us. So that's just a little bit of me and my philosophy in sales. Fantastic. So, uh, so a salesman, salesman. So someone is out there and actually in the in the trenches, or maybe I should say in the muddy ditches for for you for what for what you do out in agriculture. Uh, but so Clancy, we ask every guest the same question to start off. What does making sales social mean to you? You know, I think first it means using the social media platforms as a way to network and sell and and take advantage of this wonderful technology that we didn't even have when I started out in sales. And it's there and it's powerful and it connects people all over the world. But, but to me, I kind of go into four of that, making sales social, hang on word social, being a social being, wanting to interact and be a part of and be connected into that group. To me, that's what being social means. It doesn't mean going to cocktail parties and floating around and meeting and greet. It means, uh, to me, the social aspect means a, a real meaningful connection with other people. And to me, that's what I see as a social circle. And when we make sales that way, the network just develops and grows, the referrals come, and uh, and it just snowballs from there. So we're talking about selling by serving. So here's the book, kind of mm-hmm. kind of dog-eared. I, I I've been been reading it, really enjoying it. And and I love I love the selling by serving steps. And so I thought what would be really great is if we could kind of break these down, these seven steps and talk about it during each one, how are we serving our, our clients? So the first one is preparation. So yeah, right. and, and how does how does preparation, how does that align with making sales social as well? And we can actually help with that. So you share kind of your perspective and we can bounce off of your ideas. Yeah, so preparation, again, I think there's the obvious, there's the physical preparation, and there's a lot to that. It's not just having, you know, my product brochure or anything else. It's knowing the arena that I'm working in. Mm. It's knowing the arena that my client is working in or my prospect is working in. It's uh, knowing the business environment. Is the market up? Is it down? What's going on? And, uh, you know, that's a lot of what I call the physical preparation. It is doing as much research as I can about my prospects. So I happen to know as much as I can about them. And, And then obviously, you know, such things as appearance, organizational skills. The worst thing to do is to go in and get into a nice conversation and realize I left something back there in the office or back there in my car and I have to run out, it it doesn't send a good message right off the bat. And so to me, there's that aspect of uh, preparation, but then there's also the mindset preparation, which I think is the bigger piece. And to me, it boils down to ultimately, am I mentally prepared to give this 100%? Am I fully focused on this and not something else and not what's happening with my cell phone account or anything else, but am I fully ready to engage? Am I ready to listen to understand rather than to respond? And am I 100% present? Am I really ready for this moment? Because if we think of it, 
This is a moment, a big moment of gravity, and it will never come again. And so I'm never going to have a second chance to be interesting. If I'm interesting today, I'm not going to become interesting next week. And so very uh, important moment. And I think that's, to me, preparation boils down to, am I ready mentally to go in here and, and really serve this individual and help them in some way? I love that. I think there are three things that I'm pulling from that. The first, the physical preparation, we just go back to, if you want to learn about them, look at them on social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, what are they sharing on their Instagram? If you want to know where they vacation, like if you really want to get to know them a little bit, but on LinkedIn, look at their company, look at the people that have recommended them that are their clients and understand not just their industry, but their clients industry. So that, that's the physical preparation part of that. The second thing that I love that I heard you say was really be present, right? And I think that even in social, what happens is we are prepared to answer the next question before we even hear it. Like, you know, we've got, uh, you know, we're not really listening. We ask a question, we're not really listening to the answer because we have something we want to say. And something that Bill and I talk a lot about is just really understanding what matters to them, like stop sharing what we want to share and start sharing what they want to consume, what matters to them. So I think that's a big piece. And the number three piece around the mindset, another thing that we talk a lot about is detach from what that customer is worth to you and attach to what you're worth to that customer. Because when you can bring value, they want to work with you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And, and, and I think that this is a huge part of it, of, of the, the sales process, if I can use that word, in serving our clients. Because if we have that preparation done beforehand, we come in really holding all the cards. And, and when we walk into that, we're not worried about whether we're going to make the sale. We're there to just serve them. Mm. And if we've done our homework and our research the right way and prepared the right way, that's really going to kind of smooth it over for us. And social can really certainly help, help with that. So the next one we could really get on tangents with, I'm, I'm kind of excited about this one, and that's engagement. So, so your second step is engagement. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah, so that is that moment. Um, it is that time, whether whether it be the uh, an email or whether it be face to face or whether it be on uh, a virtual meeting like this. But that is that first point of contact. And the way I like to think of it, especially in you know B two B sales, is you know there's this company over here and there's this company over the, there. Are these whole bodies, and then yet there's these two individuals who are touched there. And that's where those two come together. And it's, you know, behind that is one organization, behind that other organization. That is the touch point for two organizations, two individuals. It really doesn't matter. But I just stress the, the gravity and the profundity of that moment to come in because, uh, like Bryn said, if you're focused on what value, you also need to be focused on bringing anything of interest to this individual because it's very competitive most places that we go mm -hmm. and so i always say you know there's the stack of 67 business cards over here of the non-interesting ones there's two or three sitting over here that are being considered 
And are you going to get on that pile of two or three, or are you going right to the bottom and becoming number 68 over here? And uh, like I said, the phrase that I use is not interesting today, not interesting tomorrow. If I don't make that powerful first impression, then it's unlikely that I'm going to come back a week from now and all of a sudden be um, uh, evaluated as, oh, he just became really interesting all of a sudden. No, they're going to say this is the not interesting person and they're going to turn off their ears, right? And they're not going to. So to me, the most powerful thing that I want you to know, if I go in and I'm calling on Bren, I want Bren to know that I'm there to learn. I'm there to meet her, not introduce myself, but I'm there to meet her. I'm there to learn and I'm there to help and become an asset to whatever it is that Bren is working on. And, you know, you can say those words, but then when you do those things, then they become believed. But that is my message, is looking someone right in the eye and let them know, I'm not here to talk about product, service, myself, my company. I'm here to meet you. I'm here to learn and I'm here to help. And I, I think that unfortunately, or fortunately for us, that that is uh, pretty rare in the sales world. I think a lot of people come in with guns a-blazing, product brochures flying, and, and, uh, and that's just not who I am. So I've got to be authentic. So what I'm hearing is what makes you interesting is when you are interested. Perfect. Right? Yeah. 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 Right. And, and I think you said it also, you said your authentic self. And, and you know, mm -hmm. if we kind of slide this over to the, to the social realm of things, this is coming in authentically, connecting with people authentically, not just pitching them right away. Just before we got on the call, I got actually an email from a company that does LinkedIn lead gen. She didn't even look at my profile, but said, oh, I see by your LinkedIn profile, you're in Albany and I'm going to Ithaca this week. So that was that moment she's trying to build rapport, which is the next thing that we're talking about. But she was, but she didn't look at my profile. It wasn't authentic. To me, it's a it was a scheme. It's a trick to try to get me to to kind of engage with her, and we we can't do that. And and the you know you said the sixty seven business cards on one side and the three or four. Well, that's the all of the the invites that get deleted because they're pitching. Right. But there's these ones that we accept over here because we're interested in them because they were interested in us. And we're providing yeah, exactly. value. We're providing value that that is valuable to them, not necessarily to us. We want to pitch our product or service. That's not what they care about. What I'm seeing is these steps actually build upon one another, right? Yeah. So, so we've done the preparation, so we know what to talk about. We engage them authentically. So we, we show that we're interested in them. And that leads to the third step, which is rapport. Yeah, exactly. And rapport is, I, I think the important thing there is, you know, why is it important to even care about rapport? But psychologically, we know that all things given equal, people tend to buy from people they like. And people tend to like people that they perceive are like them. And now this can come across as very inauthentic, done well, woven into your authentic self. But it's just nice to find some areas of alignment. Whether that be, and again, I think it's really important to know the prospect. Some prospects do not want to talk about their family, hobbies, anything. They want to get down to business and, and you need to be sensitive to that, I think. But other, most people are willing to engage in some of that. 
learning about their hobbies, learning about where you've lived, learning about your family or anything like that. And if you can find out that both of your kids play soccer and little thing like that can help to just, what we're talking about is building a real relationship. And so the girl that you mentioned, Bill, you know, she was trying at one level but hadn't done her homework. She was trying to build rapport before she was prepared. And so, you know, these are, this is not a method, these seven steps of selling by serving, they are in my mind, a logical sequential cycle and framework that a person needs to be aware of and move through in that order. Because if I try and build rapport with you, but I haven't done my homework in preparation, I'm one of the 67, I'm not one of the three or four. So it's just a way to begin to align and to begin to develop a human relationship within the sales business uh, environment. And, and, and it's the same on social. You know, you, you have what we say is you, you can't ignore people. You have to respond to comments. You have to do it authentically and, and, and start that and, and look for the opportunity to take that conversation um, away from, from social, either face to face or, or, or by phone. And then, so yeah, and, and social is the one of the best ways to do that research in advance. Who are your shared connections? Where did they go to school? Right. Where did they work before? I mean, there's so much you can learn to help build that rapport. So, yeah. what's the next one, Bill? Next one is discovery. Yeah, yeah, discovery. That's it's going back to what Brim was talking about. You know, am I listening to understand or am I listening to respond? Mm-hmm. You know, am I there yeah. to just waiting for my chance to jump in and talk about something? Or am I listening all the way through? Because if this person says one thing and I'm like, oh, I know what I want to say about that. And then I tune out everything else. They might tell me something more important, more valuable and more of a connection in the part that I'm not listening to. So this is where I see so many salespeople get overly enthusiastic and get ahead of themselves. And they're just like, oh yeah, that's a great point. I brought you up. And I wanted to tell you about the benefits of product XYZ. And it's, nope. That's, we're not there yet. That's the time, that's solution presentation. We get that next, but now is full immersion in um, to the prospect. What are your needs? What's going on in your world? What are your next steps? And, and tell me about what that really means. What's the implication of that issue that you're having? Mm-hmm. And, and we can enlarge the need by asking those, you know, then what, or what happens then type questions. And so it's not only to me about learning their needs, I I think through that process, and this is not a manipulation at all, but it can be very powerful, is to get the prospect to acknowledge that this is a need here and now. So that in their mind, I want them to go, this is something I really need to address. And I'm really glad that you're asking me about it because all of a sudden I realize this is a threat to the very existence of my business if I don't take care of this. And that's the point we'd like to get to where they see that need as big and and some urgency gets injected into it. So, but mostly to me, the whole discovery thing is about asking natural questions. Just as if I was visiting with either one of you wanting to learn about your life, wanting to learn about your business, wanting to learn about your challenges, your successes, what are your goals, what are your visions, uh, what, what are your potential threats? And, and I would ask you about those if we were at a barbecue and just having that conversation. That's the way a great discovery should be. Supernatural mm-hmm. and just understanding that I'm here to help and I'm here to learn. And, and out of that mindset, I think that's the flow chart 
for the formulation of the questions. So I love that. That like normal, um, just your discovery. If you're looking at at your own agenda, you can never truly serve them until you know their agenda. Right. 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 It, like it's it, not sir. It's serving yourself if you come in with your agenda. Yeah. Not serving it, them. So so many so many sales reps come in and they 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 have their sales process, but the client has a buying process. And so I love it that it's just a conversation. I think of, of our friend, Jeff Bajoric, who says, you don't do discovery on a client, you do discovery with a client. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's, a, team, it's a team effort. And so I, I, I love that. And so that, then that brings us to the solution presentation. Yeah, that's what everybody wants yeah. to get to. <laughs> yeah, let's go, let's sell this thing. <laughs> Yeah, so the solution presentation, but it's not, you know, this isn't the product presentation, this isn't the service presentation. It is a solution presentation. If I've done a great job of all the other steps up to now, I have uncovered, we have uncovered, Bill, jointly, this need that the client has. And I am 100% confident that I have a solution for that need. And it's just, you know, the solution presentation and the agreement, the next step, if done, if everything is done well up to that point, it's the most natural thing in the world. And I can say, Bill, you know, you've told me in discovery that if I had a solution for this need, if I could really help you to trim those costs or to increase that productivity by whatever, that's something you'd really want to do. Well, I do have that. And the name of that solution is product XYZ. It's very incidental. The name care about the name. They don't care about the color. They don't care. They just want to know that it will fix my problem or it will satisfy my need. And so that's again the focus is um, explaining thoroughly how this satisfies the need, how it solves the problem. It it has nothing to do with the product name, the service, or anything else. All I want to do is say I can help you with this need that you have. And it happens to be called whatever the name of the product is. And and are you presenting the ROI at this point too? Like here? Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. If if you know if there's if they're talking about that, of course, if it's a personal sale, if somebody's buying a car or whatever, there may not be an ROI to it. Um, and so, but in a business type environment, absolutely. If we're talking about yeah, if we could trim those costs by X amount, then what's that going to do for your bottom line? Yeah, right. And then we right. can absolutely get into that because that's part of their their need or their problem right. that they're having. Yes. And, and it seems that that should flow right into the agreement, that that should almost be like a seamless next step. Right. Or it would come to the last step, which is objections. Am I correct in that? Yeah, you are. And you're, you're, you're leading me along perfectly there, Bilby. And there is a reason that I don't put as in most sales training, it's, you know, whatever the steps are, you know, pre-qualify the lead and then, and then uh, introduce yourself and then ask open questions, ask the closed questions, present your product, handle the objections and close the sale. There's a very a purposeful reason that I put objections after agreement, because I think if we do very well on all of this, objections are not inevitable. They don't have to come up. And it is the most natural, seamless. We've done the discovery. We have together on the same side of the table, rolled up our sleeves and identified what the need is. Then I have done my job well of showing that this is a wonderful solution to that problem or a satisfaction of that need. 
And so then when it gets to the agreement, and I always, I always, you know, eschew the term closing the sale because that, mm-hmm. that results, that, that denotes finality. Something mm-hmm. is done. And I'm like, no, no, that's just the beginning of me showing them how much I'm going to serve them. I want this open, always open, always growing. But there are agreements at every step along the way, right? I mean, if we agree to meet again in two weeks and you're going to read the article that I left you and then we're going to discuss that, an agreement is just moving the process forward. So gaining agreement on the sale is, to me, when it works as as, uh, outlined, it is the most logical thing that either party can possibly think of to happen next. I, I mean, it. I can't think of any other question except to say, Bryn, does it make sense for you to order this product now? I love is it. Is that something you think is a good idea? And and you're thinking you would have been offended if that hadn't been the next question. You would have thought this person isn't understanding me. You're going, yes, that's exactly what I want to do right now. And when you get to that point, this thing that we get built up so much in sales about, oh, closing the deal, you're getting the order signed, mm-hmm. becomes rather anticlimactic. It's very incidental. I've built a relationship. I know I'm going to help you. I know this is just the beginning of a marathon. This is not a sprint with us. And so, yes, your first order, wonderful. Thank you very much. But it's not nirvana. It's not the pot of gold. It is the logic, the most logical next step that either one of us could possibly imagine happening. And to me, that's when I know all the other steps have been done well. This is is fantastic. And I just think, uh, you know, I've been on many sales calls with the the famous Brent Tillman. And and I know that the more preparation that's done in the beginning and the more alignment that happens with the client, we have those those times where the client says, okay, yep, I'm ready. There's not even any asking for the deal. It's just like it's a pre-gone conclusion because that's what they want us for. And and I think that if we can do that preparation and, and we can gain the rapport and really do the discovery in the right way that that the sale is just the natural foregone conclusion because we've we've met all that that criteria or it's not and we're we're going to point them in the right direction right? right and and that's moving it along also because again we're not so much looking to close a sale as you said we're looking to start and build a relationship right and and so so and serve I, I, them, help yeah, them solve to, right, their problems. To serve them. So so go out and buy this book. Selling um, by serving. Selling by serving. And and Clancy's gonna tell you how, how to get that in just a moment. He's also gonna tell you about his new, new book. book. Um so so Clancy, tell them how they can remain in contact with you and get your and get your books and please talk about your new book. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, I, I happen to be on LinkedIn, social uh, media. So yes, I, I spend a fair bit of time there and I love to, I, I, that's my favorite social media platform by far. So people can find me there uh, on LinkedIn, just type in my name and my website is www.clancyclark.cc. And there is a link to order the book, Selling by Serving. And yes, I have my new book now. It's called Love Your Work, Live Your Dream. It's all about helping anyone who works for a living to make sure that that vocation is meaningful and then to connect the dots from that inspired income to living the life of our dreams, those things that we want to do outside of our work and make sure that our vocational vehicle is worthy of getting us 
to those dreams, the things that we want to do, the things that we're meant to do while we're here. So it's a it's a broader reach, and but again, it's all about fulfillment. It's all about making sure that a vocation is meaningful. It's about being clear on the vision that we want for our lives, and then connecting the dots between what I call inspired income and living our dreams. Fantastic! I can't wait to get my hands on it. So. Um... So listen, connect with, with Clancy on LinkedIn. Go to his website, order his books. I promise you, you will not uh, be sorry. I mean, there's a lot more about the seven steps in here, I promise you. And we just scratched on the surface, but it was so, so good. So Clancy, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. This has been so much fun. Us. Oh, thank you for having me. I got my lucky pen. All right. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, Clancy, thanks so much. And listeners, Thank you once again for listening to another episode of Making Sales Social. Don't forget, as you're out and about this week, to make your sales social. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, and join us again for more special guest instructors bringing you marketing, sales training, and social selling strategies that will set you apart. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episodes from the Making Sales Social podcast. Leave a review down below. Tell us what you think, what you learned, and what you want to hear from us next. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Play. Visit our website, socialsaleslink.com, for more information.